Welcome to Haunted Grove, the podcast that brings you the darkest, most spine-tingling stories from the world of the unknown. If you're a fan of cryptic tales, paranormal events, and unexplained mysteries, then you're in the right place. Each week, we'll take you on a journey into the shadows, exploring the macabre, the supernatural, and the downright terrifying. Our team of expert storytellers will guide you through tales of ghosts, monsters, haunted places, and more. But be warned, these stories are not for the faint of heart. They may keep you up at night, make you check under your bed, or have you looking over your shoulder. So, buckle up, listeners, and get ready to journey into the mysterious and macabre with Haunted Grove. Let's dive in. Moonkeeper The moon loomed large in the sky, casting an eerie glow over the deserted streets of the unknown city. A lone figure stumbled through the darkness, his feet shuffling against the cold pavement. He had been wandering for what felt like hours, trying to find a place to sleep for the night. But every hotel and hostel was either full or too expensive for him to afford. As the man turned a corner, he saw the outline of a church in the distance. Its spire reached towards the sky, beckoning him towards it. With no other options, he made his way towards the church, hoping that he would find a warm, safe place to spend the night. As he entered the church, he was greeted by the flickering of candles and the soft rustling of prayer books. A few people were scattered throughout the pews, lost in their own private thoughts. The man found a quiet corner and settled down, grateful for the shelter from the cold night air. But as the hours passed, the man's sense of unease grew. There was something off about the church, something that he couldn't quite put his finger on. The other people in the pews seemed to be watching him, their eyes following his every move. And then he noticed something even more disturbing, the candles flickering in the darkness seemed to be moving, as if they were alive. As the man sat there, trying to shake off the feeling of dread that had settled in his stomach, he heard a sound. It was a soft, shuffling sound, coming from somewhere deep within the church. He strained his ears, trying to figure out what it was, but it was too quiet to make out. Suddenly, there was a scream. It was a blood-curdling, piercing scream that echoed through the church, drowning out the sound of the shuffling. The man jumped to his feet, heart pounding in his chest. He looked around, but couldn't see anything in the darkness. And then he saw it. A figure, slinking towards him from the shadows. It was a man, but there was something off about him. He was covered in dark, matted hair, and his eyes were wild and unfocused. The man took a step back, his heart racing in his chest. Who are you? he asked, his voice barely above a whisper. The man in the shadows didn't answer. Instead, he lunged towards the man, his hands outstretched. The man stumbled backwards, trying to get away, but the other man was too fast. He tackled the man to the ground, pinning him down with his powerful arms. The man struggled, kicking and screaming, but it was no use. The other man was too strong, and soon he had him pinned down, his hands around the man's throat. As the man gasped for air, he saw the other man's face in the moonlight. It was twisted and contorted, a grotesque mask of madness. And then, everything went black. When the man woke up, he was lying on the cold, hard ground. He struggled to sit up, his head throbbing with pain. As he looked around, he saw that he was in a different part of the church, surrounded by bodies. The people who had been sitting in the pews were now lying on the ground, their throats slit open. And then he saw him, the man from the shadows. He was standing at the other end of the room, watching the man with cold, dead eyes. You're the moonkeeper, the man whispered, his voice hoarse with fear. The moonkeeper didn't say anything. Instead, he took a step forward, his eyes fixed on the man. 
The man scrambled to his feet, stumbling backwards in terror. But there was nowhere to run. The moonkeeper was closing in, his hands outstretched, his face twisted into a grotesque sneer. The man backed away until he was pressed against the wall, his heart pounding in his chest. He looked around desperately, searching for a way out. But there was no escape. He was trapped, alone with the moonkeeper. And then the moonkeeper was upon him. He grabbed the man by the throat, lifting him off the ground. The man gasped for air, his hands clawing at the moonkeeper's arms. But it was no use. The moonkeeper was too strong. He tightened his grip, cutting off the man's air supply. The man struggled for a few more seconds, his face turning red, before finally going limp in the moonkeeper's grasp. The moonkeeper dropped the man's lifeless body to the ground, his eyes fixed on the moon outside. He let out a guttural howl, a primal scream of triumph and satisfaction. And then he was gone, disappearing into the shadows, leaving the church filled with the stench of death and fear. The next morning, the police found the man's body in the church, surrounded by the bodies of the other victims. They searched the city, but the moonkeeper was nowhere to be found. Some said he was a ghost, a vengeful spirit that haunted the city streets. Others said he was a man, a deranged killer who had been driven insane by the full moon. But no one knew for sure. And no one ever slept in that church again, afraid of what lurked in the shadows, waiting for its next victim. The moonkeeper had claimed another soul, and the city would never be the same again. The town. It had been an ordinary day when the email popped up in my inbox. The subject line read, urgent, camera operator needed for paranormal investigation in Mysteria. My curiosity peaked, I clicked on the message and began to read. Dear Dan. My name is Alex Harrow, and I recently stumbled upon your impressive portfolio of video work. I am a resident of a small, secluded town called Mysteria and am in desperate need of a skilled camera operator. You see, our town has a dark and sinister legend, which has piqued the interest of paranormal enthusiasts across the globe. In an effort to uncover the truth, I am organizing a one-night investigation, and I believe you would be the perfect person to capture it on film. The date is set for the 20th of March, and your travel and accommodation expenses will be fully covered. Your compensation for the job will be generous. Please let me know if you are available and interested. Sincerely, Alex Harrow. The prospect of a thrilling adventure, the allure of the unknown, and the promise of a handsome payout were too enticing to resist. I replied to Alex, accepting the offer, and began preparing for my trip to Mysteria. The journey to Mysteria was long and arduous. The town was hidden deep within a dense, ancient forest, and the only way to reach it was by traversing narrow, winding roads. As I drove deeper into the woods, the sun began to set, casting eerie shadows that danced in the corner of my vision. Upon arrival, I was struck by the unsettling silence that enveloped the town. It was as if the entire place was holding its breath, waiting for something to happen. I found Alex waiting for me outside the quaint bed and breakfast where I would be staying. He greeted me with a firm handshake and a tense smile. Thank you for coming, he said, his voice barely above a whisper. I hope the journey wasn't too arduous. We should head out soon. We've got a long night ahead of us. As night fell, we ventured into the heart of Mysteria, our footsteps echoing through the deserted streets. Alex explained the town's dark legend, every 13 years, on the 20th of March, a ghostly figure was said to appear in the town square, its haunting wails echoing through the night. No one knew who the spirit was or why it appeared, but many believed its presence was a harbinger of doom. Armed with cameras and various ghost hunting equipment, 
we set up in the town square, waiting for the spectral figure to make its appearance. The air was thick with anticipation, and a feeling of dread clung to my spine like a cold, wet blanket. As the clock struck midnight, the atmosphere shifted. An icy chill crept through the air, and a dense fog rolled in, swallowing the town in its ghostly embrace. That's when we saw it, a figure, barely visible through the fog, stood in the center of the square. I raised my camera, my hands shaking with a mix of fear and excitement, and started recording. Alex approached the figure, calling out to it, asking questions about its identity and purpose. But the spirit remained silent, its face obscured by the shadows. Suddenly, the figure let out a blood-curdling scream, and the earth beneath us began to tremble. The buildings around the square started to crumble, and the ground split open, revealing a gaping chasm. I stumbled back, trying to keep my camera steady, as Alex continued to engage the spirit, undeterred by the chaos that was unfolding around us. As the spirit's wails intensified, the chasm widened, and dark, twisted figures emerged from the depths. They were grotesque, with elongated limbs and gnarled faces that seemed to be frozen in a permanent state of agony. They clawed their way out of the abyss, their unearthly cries filling the air as they began to swarm the town. Alex's face turned pale, and he muttered under his breath, the legend was true. This is a cursed town. We knew we had to escape, but the creatures were relentless. We ran through the crumbling streets, dodging debris and evading the grasp of the abominations that pursued us. My heart pounded in my chest, and I clung to my camera, determined to capture every horrifying moment. As we approached the edge of the town, we found our path blocked by a horde of the grotesque creatures. With no other choice, we turned and sprinted toward the only building that still stood intact, the town's decrepit church. We burst through the doors, barricading them behind us. The church was eerily silent, and the air was thick with the scent of decay. We were trapped, but at least we had a moment to catch our breath and regroup. Alex's eyes darted around the room, searching for anything that might help us in our predicament. He spotted an old, tattered book on the altar, and as he opened it, his face lit up with a mixture of hope and terror. This is it, he whispered. This book contains the ritual to banish the spirits and close the chasm. With no time to lose, Alex began reciting the incantation, his voice trembling with the weight of our desperate situation. The creatures outside clawed at the door, their furious screeches growing louder with each passing moment. As Alex neared the end of the ritual, a blinding light filled the church, and a deafening roar shook the building to its core. The creatures outside shrieked in agony, and we felt the ground beneath us shift as the chasm began to close. With one final, guttural scream, the spirits were banished back to the abyss, and the chasm sealed shut. Exhausted and relieved, we stumbled out of the church, our hearts heavy with the knowledge that the town of Mysteria was forever lost to darkness. In the days that followed, Alex and I parted ways, each of us haunted by the horrors we had witnessed. I returned home and began the arduous task of editing the footage from that fateful night, struggling to make sense of the events that had unfolded. The resulting film, The Town, a journey into the heart of darkness, became a worldwide sensation, cementing my reputation as a daring and talented filmmaker. But as the accolades poured in, I couldn't shake the feeling that we had unleashed something terrible upon the world. For now, the spirits of Mysteria remain trapped within the depths of the earth, but I can't help but wonder if the cycle will begin anew in another 13 years. And, if it does, who will be brave enough to face the darkness and banish the spirits once more? As I reflect on that harrowing night in Mysteria, I am left with a profound sense of unease. Perhaps there are some mysteries that should remain hidden, some legends that should never be uncovered. For when we delve too deeply into the unknown, we risk awakening the darkness that lies within us all.
the silent town. The sun dipped below the horizon, casting eerie shadows across the small, desolate town of Holloway. The once thriving community had become a virtual ghost town, with only a few scattered residents remaining. Beth and Mark, a young couple seeking solace from the hustle and bustle of city life, had recently moved into an old, secluded farmhouse on the outskirts of Holloway. Unaware of the town's dark history, they were looking forward to starting a new chapter of their lives. The night was calm and quiet, with only the rustling of leaves and the distant hoot of an owl breaking the silence. Beth and Mark had just finished unpacking the last of their belongings when they decided to relax in front of the fireplace with a bottle of wine. As they settled into their new home, the couple reminisced about their life in the city and the future they were now building together. The warmth of the fire and the wine lulled them into a sense of comfort and security. Unbeknownst to Beth and Mark, they were not alone. Mysterious figures lurked in the shadows, watching their every move. The once peaceful night was about to turn into a horrifying ordeal. A sudden knock on the door startled the couple. Beth glanced at the clock, surprised that someone would be visiting at such a late hour. Who could that be, she wondered aloud. Mark got up, slightly annoyed, and opened the door. To his surprise, there was no one there. Just as he was about to close the door, he noticed a note lying on the welcome mat. It read, you're not alone. His heart raced as he contemplated the meaning of the message. He tried to dismiss it as a prank, but an unsettling feeling washed over him. Must be some kids messing around, Mark said, trying to reassure Beth. He crumpled the note and threw it into the fire, but he couldn't shake the feeling that something was amiss. As the night wore on, strange occurrences began to plague the couple. Windows and doors rattled, and whispers echoed through the halls. Each time they investigated the disturbances, they found nothing. As fear began to take hold, the couple decided to call the police. But as Mark picked up the phone, he discovered the line was dead. Panic set in as they realized they were cut off from the outside world. Suddenly, the power went out, plunging the house into darkness. Armed with only a flashlight, Mark and Beth navigated the shadows, desperately searching for an explanation. That's when they saw them, three masked figures standing in the darkness. They were dressed in black, their faces obscured by grotesque masks, each one more terrifying than the last. The strangers revealed themselves to be twisted predators, intent on tormenting the couple for their own amusement. They spoke in hushed, distorted voices, making it clear they had been watching Beth and Mark for some time. We've been waiting for you, one of the strangers whispered, sending chills down their spines. The intruders forced the couple into a twisted game of cat and mouse, taunting them with chilling riddles and horrifying threats. The couple's worst fears came to life as they faced the sadistic whims of their captors. As the night wore on, the strangers grew more violent and unpredictable. Mark and Beth clung to each other, their love and determination the only things keeping them from succumbing to the terror. Despite their best efforts to fight back, the odds were insurmountable. In a final act of desperation, Mark and Beth devised a plan to escape their tormentors. Using their knowledge of the house and the surrounding woods, they hoped to outsmart the strangers and find help. As the couple crept through the house, the strangers seemed to vanish, allowing them a brief moment of hope. But it was short-lived, as they soon found themselves cornered in the living room. With no other choice, Mark charged at the intruders, giving Beth enough time to slip out the back door and into the darkness of the woods. The sound of a struggle echoed behind her as she ran, tears streaming down her face. Beth stumbled through the dark forest, her heart pounding in her chest. She refused to look back, fearing the worst for Mark but knowing she had to find help. As the first light of dawn began to break through the trees, she stumbled upon a neighboring farmhouse. Breathless and covered in dirt, Beth banged on the door, 
begging for help. The occupants, an elderly couple, took her in and immediately called the police. The officers arrived quickly, but by the time they reached the house, it was too late. Mark's lifeless body lay in the living room, a victim of the stranger's twisted game. The intruders were gone, leaving no trace behind. As the town of Holloway mourned the tragic loss, questions lingered. Who were these strangers, and why did they target Beth and Mark? The answers remained shrouded in mystery, as the masked figures disappeared into the shadows, waiting for their next victims. The once silent town was now haunted by the echoes of the night's horror, a chilling reminder of the evil that lurked in its midst. Beth, forever changed by the traumatic events, vowed to uncover the truth and bring her tormentors to justice. But in the darkness, the strangers watched and waited, the ghostly specters of Holloway's past biding their time until they could strike again. The nightmare was far from over, and the terror of that fateful night would forever haunt the silent town. VHS Tapes It was a gloomy, overcast afternoon when James, an avid collector of all things vintage, stumbled upon a dusty old box at the local flea market. The box was filled with a variety of VHS tapes, each with a different handwritten label. Something about the box intrigued him, and he felt compelled to take it home. After negotiating a surprisingly low price with the indifferent vendor, James carried the box of tapes back to his apartment. As he sorted through the tapes, one particular title caught his eye, Watch Me. It wasn't the title itself that drew his attention, but the way it was written, the letters were scrawled in a hurried, almost desperate manner. Ignoring the other tapes, James inserted Watch Me into his VCR and pressed play. The screen flickered, then displayed grainy footage of a dimly lit, abandoned building. The camera moved shakily, as if held by a person trying to stay quiet. The footage continued, and James was both mesmerized and disturbed by the series of eerie scenes that unfolded. As he watched, a sense of dread slowly crept over him. Shadows danced on the walls, and strange whispers echoed through the empty halls. It was then that he saw her, a ghostly figure in a tattered white dress, her face obscured by a veil of dirty blonde hair. James couldn't tear his eyes away from the screen, even as the woman's haunting presence filled him with terror. As the tape reached its end, the woman turned to face the camera directly, and for a brief moment, James could have sworn she was looking right at him. Over the next few days, James couldn't shake the feeling that something was terribly wrong. He had nightmares of the woman in the white dress, her face always hidden, and her voice like a distant whisper. He began to see her in the shadows of his apartment, her presence chilling him to the core. Desperate to find answers, James returned to the flea market where he'd bought the tapes. He asked the vendor about the tape, hoping to learn more about its origin. The vendor's face turned pale, and he whispered a warning, the tape was cursed, and those who watched it would be haunted by the woman in white. James felt a shiver run down his spine. He could no longer deny the truth, he was being haunted by a malevolent spirit. He knew he had to do something to break the curse, so he turned to the only place he could think of for help, an old, eccentric occultist named Madame Zara. Madame Zara listened intently as James recounted his story. She agreed to help him, but warned that the process would be dangerous. Together, they began researching the spirit and how to break the curse. After days of searching through ancient texts and consulting with other experts in the occult, Madame Zara finally discovered a ritual that could banish the spirit back to the realm from which it came. However, the ritual required an object that held a deep connection to the spirit, something that would be difficult to find. James remembered the box of VHS tapes and realized the answer was right in front of him. He rushed back to his apartment and retrieved the tape, bringing it to Madame Zara's shop. The night of the ritual, James and Madame Zara gathered in a circle of candles, the tape placed in the center.
Madame Zara began chanting in an ancient language, her voice echoing through the dark room. Suddenly, the tape began to levitate, and the air grew thick with an oppressive energy. As the ritual reached its climax, the woman in the white dress materialized in the room, her presence even more terrifying than before. Her eyes, now visible beneath the veil of hair, burned with a malevolent rage. James and Madame Zara stood their ground, continuing the ritual as the spirit shrieked and wailed, trying to disrupt their efforts. The air crackled with energy, and the woman in white lunged towards them, only to be held back by an invisible force. With one final incantation, Madame Zara commanded the spirit to return to the realm from which it came. A blinding flash of light filled the room, and the woman in white was gone. The tape dropped to the floor, now nothing more than a charred, twisted mess. James breathed a sigh of relief, believing the nightmare to be over. He thanked Madame Zara for her help and returned home, hoping to finally get a good night's sleep. Several weeks passed, and life seemed to return to normal for James. The haunting memories of the woman in white began to fade, replaced by the mundane routine of daily life. But deep down, a nagging feeling remained, the sense that he was never truly alone. One night, as he was sorting through the remaining VHS tapes from the flea market, James came across one he hadn't noticed before. The label, written in the same hurried scrawl as Watch Me, read, Play Again. Trembling, James hesitated, unsure whether to insert the tape into the VCR. But curiosity overpowered his fear, and he pressed play. The screen flickered to life, displaying the same grainy footage of the abandoned building from before. Only this time, the woman in white was nowhere to be found. The camera moved through the dark halls, stopping in front of a cracked, grimy mirror. The reflection showed the person holding the camera, it was James himself, his eyes hollow and empty, a twisted grin on his face. As the realization dawned on him, James felt an icy chill run down his spine. The curse had not been broken, it had merely found a new host. The woman in white was gone, but the darkness she had brought with her now lived within him. With each passing day, James felt his sanity slipping away, the dark presence inside him growing stronger. He knew that he was now a part of the curse, a vessel for the malevolent force that had once tormented him. And as the darkness consumed him, he understood that there was no escape, only an eternity of haunting the very tapes that had once held him captive. The prisoner. The storm raged as the cold wind pierced through the prison walls, while Eric found himself in a dank, mold-ridden cell. His time behind bars was a merciless nightmare, but tonight, everything was about to change. Eric had spent months planning his escape, gathering information and resources from the other inmates. The whispers of secrets and lies traveled through the prison like an insidious disease, infecting everyone in its path. Tonight, Eric would put those secrets to use. As the clock struck midnight, Eric began his daring escape. He slipped out of his cell, his heart pounding in his chest, and navigated the dark, labyrinthine corridors of the prison. The storm outside masked the sounds of his footsteps, and he remained undetected. Eric finally reached the outer wall, scaling it with the help of a makeshift rope made from bedsheets. With one final leap, he found himself outside, free at last. Eric knew that his freedom would be short-lived if he didn't find shelter from the storm and a place to hide from the authorities. He stumbled through the dark forest, driven by fear and adrenaline, until he came across a decrepit old mansion, hidden away from the world. A flickering light in one of the windows suggested that the house was not entirely abandoned. Desperate for refuge, Eric approached the house with caution. The door creaked open as he pushed against it, revealing an opulent yet eerie interior. The mansion seemed to be stuck in a bygone era, its grandeur tainted by decay and the stench of rot. 
Eric could hear the distant laughter of people coming from one of the rooms. He followed the sound and entered a grand dining hall, where a macabre scene unfolded before his eyes. A group of grotesque figures, dressed in tattered finery, feasted on what looked like human flesh. A sense of dread washed over Eric, but he had nowhere else to go. The guests noticed Eric, and their laughter died down. A tall, sinister-looking man with a twisted smile stood up and addressed him. Ah, a newcomer. Welcome to our humble abode, dear friend. We are the Forsaken, and tonight, we celebrate our eternal existence with a feast fit for the damned. Eric recoiled in horror, realizing the gravity of the situation. He had unknowingly stumbled upon a cannibalistic cult, bound together by their monstrous appetites. The man continued, you may join us, but you must partake in our meal. If you refuse, well, let's just say that the consequences would be, unfortunate. Trapped and with no other choice, Eric reluctantly sat down at the table. He tried to ignore the horrifying sights and smells as he took a bite of the grisly meal, his stomach churning in revolt. The forsaken erupted in laughter and applause, welcoming him into their twisted fold. As the night wore on, Eric's mind began to unravel, haunted by the horrors he had witnessed and the atrocities he had committed. He tried to devise a plan to escape the mansion and the cannibals who held him captive. He stumbled upon a hidden library, where he discovered a dark secret about the Forsaken. The cult members were once prisoners themselves, who had made a pact with an ancient and malevolent entity in exchange for their freedom. This dark force had granted them immortality, but cursed them with an insatiable hunger for human flesh. Eric realized that his own escape from prison had bound him to the same fate, and the only way to break the curse was to confront the entity. Determined to break free from the curse, Eric delved deeper into the musty library, searching for any information about the ancient entity. He found a dusty tome with a cryptic symbol on its cover, and as he opened it, he discovered an incantation to summon the malevolent force. With no time to lose, Eric gathered the necessary items for the ritual and prepared himself for the confrontation. He recited the incantation, and the air around him crackled with energy. The room darkened as a shadowy figure emerged from the void, its presence suffocating and menacing. The entity spoke, its voice like a thousand whispers. You dare summon me, mortal. What do you seek in exchange for your soul? Eric stood his ground, his voice shaking but resolute. I demand to be released from your curse. I refuse to be a part of the Forsaken and their twisted ways. The entity cackled, its laugh sending shivers down Eric's spine. Very well, mortal. I shall grant your request, but know this, the price of your freedom will be a heavy burden to bear. With a flick of its shadowy tendrils, the entity severed Eric's connection to the curse. The relief was instantaneous, but the consequences of his actions were yet to be revealed. Eric cautiously returned to the dining hall, where the Forsaken were still engrossed in their gruesome feast. They noticed the change in him and realized that he had broken free from the curse. Enraged, they lunged at him, their feral instincts driving them to tear him apart. However, the entity's words rang true, and the price of his freedom was indeed a heavy burden. As the Forsaken attacked, they began to crumble into dust, their immortality stripped away by the very force that had granted it. Eric watched in horror and disbelief as one by one, the cult members disintegrated, leaving nothing but a macabre pile of dust and bones. The storm outside had subsided, and the first light of dawn crept through the mansion's shattered windows. Eric, now freed from the curse, knew that he could never return to his old life. The horrors he had experienced would haunt him forever, casting a dark shadow over his soul. He left the forsaken mansion, stepping into the cold morning light. As he wandered aimlessly, he felt the weight of the dark ending he had brought upon the forsaken. Though he had escaped the prison and the curse, he would never truly be free, 
forever tormented by the chilling memories of that fateful night. Eyes. The sky was an inky blanket over the city, pierced only by the sickly glow of streetlights that failed to hold back the encroaching shadows. The perpetual hum of cars and the cacophony of sirens filled the night air. But for Tom, the world had become a place of darkness, a void from which there was no escape. Six months ago, Tom was involved in a horrific car accident. A drunk driver had crossed into his lane, causing a head-on collision that claimed the lives of both drivers. Tom had been the unfortunate pedestrian caught in the twisted dance of steel and glass. His life was spared, but his eyes, shredded by shards of the windshield, were not. Tom's world had since been consumed by darkness, his dreams haunted by the memory of the accident. The vivid images of shattered glass and mangled metal were a constant, unwelcome visitor in his unconscious mind. He had no respite from the nightmarish images, which seemed to taunt him, reminding him of what he had lost. In a desperate attempt to regain his sight, Tom agreed to an experimental eye transplant surgery. The procedure had only been performed a handful of times, but it held the promise of restoring his vision. It was a gamble, but one Tom was willing to take. As Tom lay on the operating table, the sterile scent of the hospital and the cold touch of the instruments did little to ease his anxiety. He clung to the hope that the surgery would work, that he would be able to see the world again. He didn't know that his new eyes would bring with them a dark and horrifying legacy. The first night after the surgery was uneventful. Tom's eyes were still bandaged, and he was instructed to keep them covered until his next appointment. He was eager to see if the surgery had been a success, but for now, he was forced to endure another night of darkness. That night, Tom had a nightmare. He was standing in a dimly lit alley, the stench of rotting garbage wafting through the air. He could feel the damp, cold bricks beneath his fingertips as he tried to find his way out. Suddenly, a woman appeared before him, her face twisted in terror. She screamed, and Tom woke up in a cold sweat. Over the next few nights, the nightmares intensified. Each night, a new victim appeared, their faces contorted in fear and anguish. The dreams felt all too real, as if Tom was somehow experiencing their final moments. He could see every detail of their surroundings, feel the cool air on his skin, and hear the echo of their screams. Unable to endure the torment any longer, Tom began researching the previous owner of his new eyes. What he discovered sent chills down his spine. The eyes belonged to a notorious serial killer who had claimed the lives of numerous victims, their bodies discovered in the dark, forgotten corners of the city. Tom realized that he was experiencing the final moments of the killer's victims through the eyes of their murderer. He was reliving their terror, their pain, and their suffering. The nightmares were a dark inheritance, a cruel reminder of the eyes' grisly past. Desperate for answers, Tom visited a psychic, hoping she could shed some light on his situation. She confirmed his suspicions, revealing that the eyes carried the residual energy of the serial killer. The only way to rid himself of the nightmares was to confront the killer's spirit and demand his release. Tom prepared himself for a confrontation with the malevolent spirit. Armed with the psychic's guidance, Tom ventured into the night, following the directions she had given him. She had told him that the killer's spirit would be lurking in the same alley where he had claimed his last victim. Tom knew he had to face the ghost head-on to end the torment that haunted his dreams. The alley was just as it had appeared in his nightmares, dark, cold, and damp. The stench of rotting garbage hung in the air, assaulting his senses. As he approached the spot where the last victim had been found, he felt the temperature drop, a frigid chill gripping his very soul. Show yourself. Tom demanded, his voice quivering with both fear and determination. Leave me and your victims in peace. A sinister laugh echoed through the alley, 
sending shivers down Tom's spine. The shadowy figure of the serial killer appeared before him, his eyes filled with an unholy darkness. Tom stared directly into the abyss, his own eyes reflecting the terror of the victims whose final moments he had been forced to witness. You think you can escape my torment, the ghostly figure snarled. You carry a piece of me with you, and I will never let you go. With every ounce of courage he could muster, Tom confronted the spirit. No. I won't let you control me. Your reign of terror ends here and now. A violent gust of wind tore through the alley, and Tom felt the icy grip of the ghost on his chest. The pressure was unbearable, crushing him from within. But Tom refused to surrender. He channeled the strength of the victims he had come to know through his nightmares, and he fought back. I release you from your hold on me and your victims, Tom shouted, his voice filled with conviction. May your soul find the punishment it deserves in the afterlife. As the words left his lips, the ghostly figure screamed in anguish, its form dissipating into the night air. The wind died down, and a sudden calm fell over the alley. Tom knew that he had succeeded in freeing himself and the victims from the killer's torment. Although the spirit of the serial killer had been banished, Tom's ordeal was far from over. The horrifying visions that haunted his dreams had left deep scars on his psyche. He couldn't escape the memories of the terror he had witnessed and the suffering he had felt. In an attempt to find solace, Tom underwent another eye transplant, hoping that a new set of eyes would free him from the lingering nightmares. The surgery was successful, and Tom's sight was restored once more. But the darkness had already taken root within him. The nightmares continued, now fueled by his own inner demons. Tom was forever trapped in a world where the ghosts of his past haunted him, a prisoner of the darkness he had once so desperately sought to escape. The eyes that had given him a glimpse into the world of a serial killer had also shown him the depths of human suffering, and the darkness that lurked within his own soul. In the end, Tom's quest for sight had only served to reveal the horrors that lay hidden within the shadows. Attraction The city streets lay empty and silent, veiled in darkness as the moon cast an eerie glow on the deserted landscape. The only sound echoing in the air was the distant howl of a lone dog. It was on this night that two seemingly unrelated souls would cross paths and change their lives forever. Jack was a loner, a man of few words and even fewer attachments. He was the kind of person who would drift through life like a ghost, barely noticeable to anyone. He was also a man of violent tendencies, afflicted with uncontrollable bouts of rage that would culminate in shocking acts of brutality. On the other side of town, Lucy wandered aimlessly, her fragile mind filled with paranoia and suspicion. A lifetime of trauma and abuse had left her a ticking time bomb, ready to explode at the slightest provocation. Her unpredictable mood swings and volatile temper had become notorious among the few who crossed her path. The fateful night began when Jack, overcome by a sudden urge to quench his thirst for violence, decided to roam the desolate streets in search of a hapless victim. Dressed in a dark hoodie and jeans, he blended seamlessly with the shadows. His eyes darted around, scanning for potential prey. Lucy, on the other hand, felt an unshakable sense of impending doom that night. She couldn't shake the feeling that something terrible was about to happen, and she was desperate to escape the confines of her decrepit apartment. Compelled by a force she couldn't understand, she left her home and ventured into the night. Their paths crossed on a dimly lit street corner, and for a moment, time seemed to stand still. Their eyes locked, and it was as if they could see into each other's tormented souls. A strange, twisted attraction drew them together like magnets. They began to share their stories, revealing the darkness that lurked within each of them. Jack recounted a chilling tale of a night he had stalked a young woman through the city, following her into an alley and brutally assaulting her, leaving her for dead.
Lucy shared her own horror story of a heated argument with an ex-boyfriend that escalated into a deadly encounter, ending with her plunging a knife into his chest. As they delved deeper into each other's twisted minds, their connection intensified. Unbeknownst to them, they were both nearing the edge of another psychotic episode. The tension between them became palpable as they fed off each other's energy, spiraling further into madness. It was at that moment when their unstable minds reached a boiling point, and their darkest desires erupted. In a frenzy of violence, they attacked each other with a ferocity that surpassed anything they had ever experienced. Jack lunged at Lucy, his hands wrapping around her throat as he attempted to choke the life out of her. Lucy, fueled by her own murderous rage, managed to break free from Jack's grasp. She pulled a switchblade from her pocket and slashed at him wildly, leaving deep gashes across his face and chest. Jack retaliated with brute force, slamming Lucy against a brick wall and attempting to pummel her into submission. Their brutal dance of death continued as they inflicted unimaginable pain upon each other. Blood splattered on the cold pavement, painting a gruesome portrait of their twisted love. As their bodies grew weak from exhaustion and blood loss, their fight began to slow, but neither one was willing to relent. In their final, desperate moments, they locked eyes once more. It was as if they were seeing each other for the first time, recognizing the darkness that had brought them together in the first place. With a surge of strength, they simultaneously delivered the final blows that would seal their fates. Jack, his face contorted with rage, drove his fist into Lucy's abdomen, his knuckles connecting with bone and causing her to gasp for air. At the same moment, Lucy mustered the last of her energy and plunged her switchblade into Jack's chest, piercing his heart. As they collapsed onto the blood-soaked pavement, their limbs entwined, they gazed into each other's eyes one last time. It was a bittersweet moment, a twisted union born out of darkness and chaos. As their lives slowly faded away, the night sky seemed to grow even darker, swallowing the city whole. The following morning, as the first rays of sunlight began to pierce through the darkness, a passerby stumbled upon the gruesome scene. The news of the brutal double homicide spread like wildfire through the city, leaving a trail of shock and horror in its wake. While the police attempted to piece together the events that led to the tragic outcome, the story of Jack and Lucy became the stuff of urban legends. The attraction that had drawn these two damaged souls together would remain an enigma, a chilling reminder of the darkness that can hide within the human heart. As the years passed, whispers of their story continued to haunt the city, a chilling tale that would send shivers down the spines of those who dared to wander its streets after dark. And so, the twisted legacy of Jack and Lucy lived on, a horrifying testament to the power of attraction, born out of madness and destined to end in bloodshed. The Cold It was on a frosty winter night that my life changed forever. The kind of night when the cold seeps through your bones and chills your soul. My breath hung heavy in the air as I stepped out of the small corner store, a fresh pack of cigarettes in my hand. The streets were empty, the only sound the howling of the bitter wind. I couldn't have known then what would befall me. It started with a sneeze. I felt it building in my sinuses, the familiar pressure and tingling, the sudden explosion of air. It was then that I saw it, a faint figure in the darkness, ethereal and otherworldly. I blinked hard, rubbing my eyes, but when I looked again, it was gone. As the night wore on, I couldn't shake the image from my mind. Was it merely a trick of the light, a figment of my overactive imagination? I tried to convince myself that was all it was, but the uneasy feeling in the pit of my stomach refused to subside. Another sneeze, another ghostly apparition. This time, I didn't look away. I stared, transfixed, as the specter seemed to beckon me with a bony finger. It whispered my name, its voice a chill breeze that sent shivers down my spine. 
the more I sneezed, the more apparitions appeared, each more terrifying than the last. I tried to avoid sneezing, holding my breath, pinching my nose, but the cold seemed to permeate my body, causing an uncontrollable urge to sneeze. The ghosts grew more insistent, surrounding me, pressing in on me with their icy hands. Desperate for answers, I turned to the internet, searching for any mention of others who had experienced similar phenomena. It was there that I stumbled upon a forum dedicated to urban horror stories. To my shock, there were others who had encountered these sinister spirits, all linked by the act of sneezing. With every new tale I read, my fear grew. The stories were eerily similar, each ending with the person succumbing to the ghost's malevolent influence, their lives forever altered. As the darkness of night enveloped me, I felt the weight of my fate pressing down upon me. The final story I found spoke of an ancient curse, one that could only be lifted by confronting the source of the hauntings. It was said that the ghosts were once human, their souls trapped between worlds, driven mad by their imprisonment. The only way to free them, and myself, was to face them head-on and find the key to their release. Determined to break the curse, I ventured out into the cold night, the ghosts following closely behind. The city's abandoned buildings loomed before me, their dark windows staring like empty eyes. I was drawn to one in particular, a crumbling structure that seemed to pulse with malevolence. The wind howled around me as I pushed open the heavy door, the ghosts crowding closer, eager to see their prison destroyed. Inside, the darkness was absolute, and the cold was even more intense. As I moved deeper into the building, I felt the temperature drop further, the air growing thick with the ghost's anticipation. Finally, in the heart of the building, I found a room filled with relics and artifacts, each seemingly more ancient and sinister than the last. In the center of the room, there stood an old, wooden chest, its lid adorned with a grotesque carving of a demonic face. I approached the chest, my heart pounding in my chest. The ghosts had grown silent, watching me with bated breath. I hesitated for a moment, unsure of what I might unleash by opening the chest, but there was no turning back now. With trembling hands, I lifted the lid, revealing the contents within. A dense fog billowed out from the chest, swirling around the room, enveloping me and the specters that had followed me here. It was as if the very essence of the ghosts was being drawn into the mist, their forms dissipating, their agonized wails echoing through the chamber. At the bottom of the chest, I found a small, weathered book bound in human skin. Its pages were filled with cryptic symbols and incantations, the key to freeing the souls trapped within the spectral fog. I began to read, my voice shaking with each uttered word, the power of the ancient curse reverberating through the room. As I finished the final incantation, the fog seemed to solidify, the trapped souls merging into a single, horrifying entity. It towered over me, its twisted form a testament to the pain and suffering it had endured. It reached for me, its long, gnarled fingers mere inches from my face, and I prepared myself for the end. But as the creature's fingers brushed my skin, it suddenly recoiled, the curse's hold on it finally broken. With a guttural scream, it began to disintegrate, the souls it held within released, finally free to find their peace. The room filled with a blinding light, and the entity vanished, leaving only the empty chest and the ancient book behind. I stood there, alone in the darkness, the weight of the ordeal pressing down upon me. The curse had been broken, the souls freed, but at what cost? I could still feel the lingering chill of the ghosts that had haunted me, a constant reminder of the darkness that had touched my life. As I left the building, the first light of dawn breaking over the horizon, I couldn't shake the feeling that my life would never be the same. The ghosts were gone, but the memories of that harrowing night would haunt me for the rest of my days. And so, I returned to my mundane existence, forever changed by the events of that fateful night. The cold remained my constant companion, a chilling reminder of the horrors I had witnessed. 
and though I had survived the curse, I couldn't help but wonder if I had truly escaped the darkness, or if it still lingered, waiting to drag me back into its icy grasp. Thank you for tuning into Haunted Grove. We hope you enjoyed today's show and we can't wait to share more with you in our next episode. Be sure to subscribe to Haunted Grove on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review to help others discover our podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.